0: We've been working our way through 1 Peter, and I trust it has been a help and encouragement to you. It certainly has been a help to me, and uh, we have gotten to now. uh, We are in 1 Peter chapter 5, and uh, we are coming toward the end of this book. As we've already seen, Peter was writing a group of mostly first-generation christians gentile christians who were navigating the conflict that they were experiencing as a result of their faith they were enduring much suffering and suffering is quite a theme of the book for sure but his goal was not just to talk about suffering his goal was to help them abound in hope uh, in the midst of that suffering And no believer should see suffering as that which must quench their hope. We have hope regardless of what we're going through because of Jesus. As as he was giving them the tools necessary to succeed and to keep hope alive, he comes down to some more practical uh, aspects here again in in chapter 5. Let's look, again, our our theme verse. I like to hit that every week. Verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's where the hope is, folks, that we are alive because he is alive. He's begotten us again, and uh, it is the resurrection that should get us excited every day, no matter what we're facing, no matter how crazy life gets, we have hope. As we look at 1 Peter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder. Let me pause for a moment and say he's not just saying that he's old and he's not just saying that he's here to talk to the older people. Uh, He's using the word elder in the sense of the biblical office, which I'll explain more in a moment, but an elder in the Bible is synonymous with pastor. Uh, There are various biblical words used, bishop, uh, pastor, shepherd, uh, elder, these would all be the same guy. And so, as Peter is narrowing down his practical helps to these people as they're navigating some difficult times, he says, let me now help the pastors. Because the, the, the pastors will need help if they're going to help shepherd and guide the individual believers through the times to come and so he has a direct address to pastors so the elders the pastors which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind neither is being lords over God's heritage but being in samples to the flock and when the chief shepherd shall appear ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away why does it, uh, why does he refer to the chief shepherd there he's making a distinction there is the chief shepherd and then there are the under shepherds pastors elders bishops those are under shepherds and then you have the chief shepherd and ultimately That's who we're waiting for, and that's who makes it all worthwhile. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at this message. I pray it would be of help to all of us and give me uh, wisdom and application. And I pray that you would uh, just guide us through the truths of your word now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a bit of an awkward message to preach because this message really is just for me. Or maybe Pastor CJ and Pastor Drew. I suppose I could dismiss all of you for an early lunch, and the three of us will figure out what we're supposed to do here. Uh, don't go anywhere just yet, uh, but truly, this, the next four verses, is, is for me, all right? So you guys get to watch me preach to myself. Well, I'm not just going to preach to myself, because I'll tell you, I don't know that that would do you much good, uh, but I have, the Lord has been preaching this to me all week, I'll say that much, and continues to but I believe as we work through this there are some applications for the flock if you understand what the Shepherd or the under Shepherd is supposed to do if you understand what God's plan is it'll help you to know how to pray for the under Shepherd it'll also help you to know how things are supposed to work between the Shepherd and the flock and hopefully give just greater a greater understanding of the working relationship that we're supposed to have as a body i can remember sitting in my pew as a kid and the evangelist had shown up to church to speak and normally that was different for me because my dad was my pastor so i heard my dad preach all the time so when an evangelist came to speak it was exciting because it was somebody different than dad and uh, you know, different jokes—not the ones I'd always heard—and and I didn't have to worry about him telling a joke about me. Right, Samuel? Uh, okay, now my son gets to deal with that. Uh, and so I—I I liked the evangelists showing up to preach, and every now and then, evangelists would say, "Tonight I'm going to preach on the home," and tonight I'm going to preach on parenting. And I'd say, "Go get 'em, preacher! Go get get 'em! This is going to be great. I'm taking the night off." Uh, and just listen to him go after mom and dad. That'll be good. Uh, But you know, it's interesting. As I listened to those messages on parenting, it was helpful for me to know what the Bible said about that, what my parents were called to do, how they were supposed to do it. And it wasn't really an opportunity for me to be critical of my parents. Really, it was an opportunity for me to understand how is this supposed to work? Where am I supposed to fit in this? Oh, that's what they've been trying to do. Oh, and there's some light bulb moments. And so I hope as we work through this that there will be some of those moments for us as well as Peter, the apostle, preaches to pastors by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 serves to introduce his exhortation to pastors and to establish his right to give that exhortation. It is an exhortation that uh, most people wouldn't wouldn't try to do. I'm just going to tell all the pastors what to do. Who wants to do that? Peter. He was an individual who had the biblical right and authority to do this, and of course the Holy Spirit is leading him to do that. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. It's interesting to me, but he doesn't just go in and start exhorting them without first giving the the reason why he's able to do this and i have a threefold reason on the screen behind me he he, <laughs> he mentions his audience the elders his action is going to be to exhort and then his authority to do so is his experience or his resume let's look at this let's break these three down first his audience here as he's referring to elders well Again, we mentioned, I mentioned he is speaking to elders as an office, the office of elder, not just the old folk, okay? There are three terms, one office, the office of pastor. You've got uh, elder, bishop, and pastor. Elder emphasizes the man's uh, spiritual maturity necessary for such leadership. Uh, and uh, this would be the wisdom that God gives. This would be the gifting that God gives. First Timothy speaks of this, and I preached on this when we uh, ordained Pastor Drew, that uh, Paul told Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. God does gift a man for the work of the ministry, and specifically the, the, the pastoral ministry. It's not just something that you can decide to do No, God has to gift you and he has to call you. I I have known of some men who I don't believe were called. And I don't believe were gifted to be pastors. And it did not work out. Just because you have a great idea doesn't mean that God is in that idea. Now the Bible says if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. But God has to be involved in that. So God gives the elder, the pastor, wisdom, gifting, experience. I I would say uh, the idea of elder does not refer to age. Paul made that very clear when he told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer. And word and conversation, he goes on. Uh, Age is not the issue, but there should be some wisdom and maturity and a touch of God that someone might say is beyond The the young man's years. And that would not be for his credit, that would be for the the glory of God and the credit of the Lord, the the working of God in this one that we refer to as an elder. So, elder, but bishop is another word uh, that is synonymous. This has the idea of overseer, states the general responsibility of guardianship. Overseeing, we'll talk more about that in a moment. The word pastor is the word for shepherd, and it expresses the priority. Uh, the 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 priority of uh, feeding or teaching the truth of god's word to the people the shepherd would lead the sheep to water he would lead them to uh to the right grass and as i was studying about this i don't know that much about sheep i do have a pastor friend in wisconsin who is a shepherd and I, i preached for him a couple of times and and I would eat at his, uh, we ate at his, his farm and saw his sheep. And it was interesting to see how he pastored. He knew so much about this analogy. You know, sheep will eat anything. So the shepherd has to lead them to the right grass. They will eat poison. They, they will eat anything. So, uh, you know, sheep <laughs> they, they need some help, right? That's where the shepherd comes in. Uh, sheep will be scattered at the slightest noise or if a wolf comes. You know, They don't come together to defend themselves. They scatter, they'll run right off a cliff. Uh, the shepherd can help with these things. I remember this pastor friend of mine, he said, uh, you know, Brother Barber, I was an evangelist back then and I was preaching there for a week of ministry. He said, Brother Barber, I'm gonna tell you what i tell my sheep shearer every year so i have an evangelist come in every year to preach to my church flock and i have a sheep shearer come in every year to uh, take the wool off of my actual flock he says i'll tell you the same thing be nice to my sheep he said i had a sheep shearer come in and he got all the wool off but he nicked them and i mean they were blood blood everywhere and they just he just cut up my sheep he said, "I never had that guy back." <laughs> and he left it at that. I think I was supposed to take something from that. <laughs> the idea was, uh, take the wool off, believe the skin, all right. Uh, and so pastors are to have that nurturing care for shepherd uh, for, uh, as a shepherd of the sheep. And I'm not saying they always do it right. I'm not saying I always do it right. That is the goal of a pastor is to have the heart of a shepherd to nurture and to care and guide and feed those sheep. Uh, he has duties, we'll talk about these later, I'll just hit it real quick, uh, to feed, to lead, to protect, to pray. Uh, and those will come up later in the text. And there are also qualifications of this, uh, this audience of elders. And those are listed in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And uh, those qualifications are something that every pastor recognizes uh, could, could uh, be that which would disqualify him from ministry should he not n- meet those qualifications. It is a sobering responsibility to shepherd a flock under the Lord Jesus Christ's headship. So uh, he, Peter here is addressing his audience of elders. His action is to exhort them. Exhortation. and exhort means to admonish, to persuade, to beg, to beseech, to entreat, to implore encourage strengthen instruct or teach okay it could be all of those nuances and the language here which peter uses is not that of stern uh command but more it is that of an imploring exhortation uh, a christian exhortation to these fellow elders but his authority how how can he command these elders and tell them what to do all right well he, he goes to his experience or his resume here. First of all, he says, I too am an elder. He also was a pastor. So this is a pastor-to-pastor situation. And he also knew that just because uh, he was a pastor, he, he, he knew he needed help, and he had gotten that from Jesus, who had uh, rebuked him to his face multiple times. He also got it from who? Paul. Paul rebuked Peter because he was to be blamed Uh, He he withstood him to the face. There are times when uh, a pastor doesn't have it right and needs to be exhorted. And uh, Peter had been on the receiving end of that, and now he's also on the giving end of that. He too was a pastor. He was an apostle also. That next phrase, he says, a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Essentially what he's saying there is I'm not just a pastor, I'm an apostle. I witnessed all of this, his sufferings. Death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And the apostles uh, obviously were used by God in a greater sense in establishing his church. And of course, all of those churches as they they branched out, God used these apostles. They had apostolic authority. All right. We don't have apostles today. Now, you might have people who call themselves apostles. I'm not going to argue with them uh... but truly to be an apostle like peter was you had to have been a witness of his sufferings a witness of the death burial resurrection of jesus christ That gave him authority but also he has another phrase speaking of his authority it's that phrase there that says a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed what was that about he had seen the transfiguration of christ not only had he seen the death burial and resurrection of Christ. He saw the transfiguration of Christ or a, a window into the glorified Christ. Wow. So what is that about? Well, we're all going to see it one day. Uh, that is that which shall be revealed. But Peter was a partaker early on. He saw this front and center. That is Matthew 17, 2, if you want to look it up later. Uh, he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. And Moses and Elijah also there. And, and uh, Peter says, wow, this is so cool. We should, we should build a tabernacle or whatever. You know, and uh, no, this is my beloved son. Hear him, is what God said. Uh, just be quiet and listen. But he had seen that. And so basically he is calling upon his authority to be able to exhort elders Couple things about that that I would just call out Um, and it's it's hard for me to preach this because I'm a I'm a pastor but uh, believe me the 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 Lord is is raking me over the coals I would say one takeaway from this is that Peter did not exhort the pastors cavalierly or casually like this is just what I do this is just my thing I'm just a a critic of pastors, and I just put you get in line and you get in your place, and let's knock him down to size a couple of pegs. Uh, Before he before he took on exhorting pastors, he he very I believe humbly but confidently said, "Here's why I can do this." Okay, and I think also that was setting an example to those who, who who he is writing, lest everybody else do this. I want to do what Peter did. I don't like my pastor. I'm going to go, I got some exhortation for you, buddy, and he, let's just go after him. That's not what Peter did, and he's not providing this example of how to take on your pastor. Elsewhere in Scripture, I should have put it in the notes, but uh, it says that uh, w- when you go to a pastor it, and entreat him uh, as an elder, and and uh, it, it should not just be a, 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 a takedown. It should be very uh, careful and, uh, and, and, and do so in a manner that would be honoring to the Lord and also honoring to that office. So he does, he, he does come into this exhortation soberly, is what I'm saying. Peter had a right to exhort his fellow pastors that God gave him. He had made all the mistakes. He knew all the pitfalls, but he also knew firsthand of the grace of God and the goodness of God and the fresh start that God can give. So as we see these exhortations, uh, let's keep that, first of all, in mind that Peter does this soberly and carefully and humbly. Verse 2 and 3, we get into the exhortation itself. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. All right, so the first part of this exhortation to elders is that they would feed the flock. And I want you to see also this exhortation is, is, uh, yes, it is an exhortation, but it's also encouraging. It's encouraging them to do what God has called them to do, as opposed to, why aren't you doing that? There's a way to encourage and there's a way to tear down. And he keeps it on the uh, encouraging side. Feed the flock as God's called you to feed. Do what you're supposed to do. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I believe this is referring primarily to the preaching and teaching ministry of the office. When I was in evangelism, I would preach in a church for a week or so, sometimes less, sometimes only a couple days and you go to the next church and the next church, and you could reuse sermons because uh, people would have you in for the same conference. Come to a conference on the family, and I have all my sermons on family. Come to a conference on finances. I don't know why I got asked for that one, but I got asked for that a lot. Come to a conference on evangelism, how to share your faith. And so you'd reuse a lot of this material. And uh, sometimes you'd get there and they'd say, oh, we're so excited to have you come. People come up to you, you know, We've been looking forward to this. We went online and listened to everything you've ever preached. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I have nothing else to preach to you guys, okay? You're going to hear it again. Uh, so you, you'd preach, uh, and, and you'd move on and so forth. And when I came here to be a pastor, of course, you're staying in the same place. You can't just reuse all the sermons. And so somebody asked me uh, in the question and answer or whatever, Pastor Barber, uh, Do you feel like you can come up with all the new material every week? And I don't know what I said, but I remember thinking, that's a good question. I have no idea if I can keep up this pace. Well, the Lord's been helping. There's plenty of material, by the way. Uh, We never run out of that, and God's grace is sufficient. But it is the pastor's job to get in the book and take the flock to the grass, to the water. But I'll, I'll give you another verse here that helps us with this as we talk, talk about feeding the flock the preaching and teaching ministry paul told timothy in second timothy 4 2 preach the word be instant in season out of season Rep- reprove rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears it's a funny phrase to say they're going to get the teachers that tell them what they want to hear, okay? Uh, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. There's plenty of that today. I just saw this morning, I, uh, I, I picked up my phone and had a notification and I thought, I'll check it. I shouldn't do that Sunday morning, but I did. And uh, there's this pastor who, has, uh, who put a tweet out that, that said that he, he, um, God has basically opened his mind to some new revelation that uh, homosexual marriage is actually biblical. And he had some thoughts about that. And, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing more and more and more of this. Now, by the way, it's not biblical. Uh, but there is going to be, according to 2 Timothy 4, 2, we're going to see more and more and more of this. Uh, people will heap to themselves teachers that tell them what they want to hear and the preachers they want to be liked and they want things to work and so I'll tell them what they want to hear and uh, the whole thing turns away their ears from the, ter- the truth they are turned unto fables and uh, we get into fairy tales as opposed to uh, our, our, the Word of God well what's the antidote to this preach the word the the phrase, though, is preach the word. The phrase is not preach. You can preach without the word. I've heard a lot of preaching that didn't have anything to do with the word. I've heard some funny preaching. I mean, Well, it's funny, except it's kind of not. Um, there's some things that make really good preaching, in a sense. You know, spitting and hollering and shouting and so forth and so on. One guy, I'm sure he's a good guy. I'm sure he has a good heart. Um, he, he was preaching on... He had, he, he had his Bible open to the prodigal son. And he said, I'm not preaching on the prodigal son like you might think. And he was sure right. This didn't go the way I would have thought at all. He says, I'm here to preach tonight on absent mothers. He picked his Bible up. He said, I've looked at the story inside, upside, downside, every side and every which way and I cannot see a mother in that story and if there had been a mother in that story we might not have had a prodigal and then he went off on if mothers were involved in their kids we wouldn't have so many prodigals now folks that makes for some good hoop and holler preaching and some amens except for the fact it wasn't in the word the Bible did not speak as to whether or not his mother was involved or not involved. It just simply didn't mention her in the story. That's all. It mentions the prodigal. It mentions what he did and how he came back. It mentions his father who was waiting for him. It mentions his brother. Remember that? It doesn't mention mom. It doesn't mean mom's not there, and it doesn't mean you can preach a whole message on moms need to be there. Or you're, Of course, that moms need to be there, but you see what I'm saying. What gives power is the Word. Not some cool idea. Not whatever's trending on the internet. It is the Word of God that people need. The Bible does not say preach your opinions. The Bible does not say preach uh, uh, what's popular. The Bible says preach the Word. And it's not always going to be popular. The instant in season... Out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Now, I'm not saying I'm not claiming that I am everything I'm supposed to be, or what this text says. But I am telling you, this is what we're supposed to do here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. This is what I'm supposed to do, and anybody who comes into this pulpit to preach, uh, th- there has to be. We have to be on the same page. We're preaching the Word of God. We're feeding the flock of God as we've been commanded. The first command there was to feed the flock. The preaching and teaching ministry is a big part of that. Counseling and discipleship ministry as well. Pastors do that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 says we should commit to faithful men who shall teach others also. So we need to feed the flock. So that's what God's telling me. Feed the flock. Preach the word. What's God telling you? as a believer in the flock well if god's telling the pastor to feed the flock you as a sheep the implication is you should be there to receive it it's hard to feed someone who's not at the table Uh, it's hard to feed someone who turns up the nose at the food We need to have the heart of one who is hungering for the word. Be that believer who hungers and thirsts after the word. Man, if we're in a series, if we're in 1 Peter, which we've been for a while, if you didn't know that, we've been in 1 Peter for a while, okay. Uh, If we're in a series, tear that thing up. I, I love it when people come to me and say, Pastor, back when we were in Nehemiah, I've read Nehemiah now 10 times through. That's awesome. and why? Why are are people reading through Nehemiah? Because they want to get everything out of what is coming from the pulpit ministry. Have a hunger for the Word. Be present. Be engaged. Be ready to be fed. Be a Berean. And I'll explain that. But don't be a critic. Now, who were the Bereans? The Bible says the Bereans were more noble than those who were of Thessalonica. Why? Because the Bereans... Search the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. In other words, you shouldn't just take the preacher's word for it. You should have a Bible. Every single one of you should have a Bible. You should be able to see. Here's what pastor says. The Bible says, and here's what the Bible says. Okay, and I'm following along. I'm and I'm checking this out. And you're you're working with the Holy Spirit and His work of communicating truth. Be a Berean, but that does not mean be a critic. I've heard some people. Justify their critical spirit and say, "Oh, I'm a Berean." The Bereans searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. They weren't searching to see wasn't so. Well, whoa, 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 he missed that. He missed this. Oh, he missed that. There's a, a place there, there's a church I preached every year in evangelism, and uh, you just get used to certain churches and certain people in those churches, and I knew in this church, after every message. I would go to the back to shake hands like i always do and there'd be a brother who would come up to me and tell me everything that i missed in the passage every time now i love feedback i really do and i love to hear if i did miss something i'm okay with it but like seriously every time and i just knew oh we're going to this church and i'm going to see that brother and he i better have my pencil out because he's going to tell me every single thing i need to know about what i'm anyway um and i don't know why people uh necessarily feel that need but uh, make sure that you are receiving. Make sure that you're receiving. That would be the implication for the flock. Be hungry for the word. Be a, hearer, be a doer, not a hearer only, James 1. So the flock needs to be fed. Secondly, the, uh, the Bible says, feed the flock of God, but also it says to the pastor, oversee the flock. Oversee, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Oversight. This is talking about some of the administration of a shepherd. A shepherd doesn't just feed. He also has to make some decisions. He has to oversee what's going on within the flock and so forth. And the, the admonition to elders, to shepherds, is do this... Not by constraint, not against your will, and not for the money. In other words, you need to do this oversight with pure motives. One way to know if you have pure motives is uh, if you just really have to have oversight. You might want to check your motives. If you really know what all administration is and what it involves and the responsibility that comes with it, I don't think um, most people would want. All of the oversight that could be afforded them Uh, but to have a a humble heart and it's not that I want to boss you around or boss you around at all that's not what this is it's not that I want to get into your life and, and, and 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 micromanage and all of this no I'm just taking a biblical admonition to oversee as a responsible under Shepherd and I have to have clean motives it can't be for money it can't be against my will. It can't be by constraint. It's got to be out of a love for God and a submission to his call. But a ready mind, what is that phrase re- dealing with? But of a ready mind, well, it's it, to be engaged in the work. A ready mind, to oversee the work, is, a, is, is one whose heart is in it, whose mind is engaged. It is much like the admonition we saw earlier in the book, ready to give an answer. To anyone who asks us of the hope it behooves the preacher to always be up for the task at hand having his mind engaged and his heart in the work there are things that can uh, distract my mind and you can chase this and chase this and chase that and some of those chases aren't bad in and of themselves but I have found as I have explored life that if I'm going to have a ready mind for the flock I just don't have enough mind left for this chase in this pursuit. And so we stay focused. Oversee. O- o- An oversight re- requires the, 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 uh, the ready mind of the pastor. But what, about the, what about the flock? What about the flock? Do you welcome oversight in your life? Um, it is going to be harder for the sheep and the shepherd if oversight is not wanted. Now, I don't try to get into people's space and just micromanage their lives. I got enough going on, and I got enough responsibility, and I don't, I don't want to have to take more on, okay? But there are times where you need to hear from your pastor on something, where maybe your pastor has a burden to share, and your response should not be, well, the nerve. The nerve. Where did he come off phone calling me about this. Well, it might just be this verse right here. And your pastor felt that some oversight was needed there and and set forward to help with that. It is tough as a pastor. Some people uh, want oversight. Uh, Some people don't want oversight. Some people get offended if you try. Some people get offended if you don't and so forth, and and so the pastor has to just navigate this. That's just part of the job, nothing to complain about. It's just part of the complexities and the intricacies of the job. Um, But I think if, if the sheep understand that this is an expectation of the pastor, then there can be more of a readiness and a working together in this regard. And then how do you see your pastor? You know, some people, when they see the pastor, they see him as a pulpiteer only. That's it. Uh, but that is not the office. Uh, The office is not that he is simply and exclusively a preacher, but that he is a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, uh, a bishop, an overseer. So how do you see your pastor? Uh, Early, early on, when I had just gotten here, um, I, I, I was preaching and doing a little bit of counseling, and there was an individual that I counseled, and we got into some pretty deep weeds, you might say. And uh, I was able to help this individual through some of these things. And um, I, I just continued on preaching and doing what I do here. And and uh, the individual caught me after the service in in the lobby and said, "Pastor, I'm going to go someplace else." I said, "Well, why?" I thought we were doing good. I thought we kind of got got through things. And the individual said, when I look at you in the pulpit, and when you're looking at me, I don't want my pastor to look at me and know the things that you know about me. I want to go somewhere where the pastor can look at me and and think well of me. Well, I tried to counter that, but the mind was already made up. Uh, and I, I said, look, I think you have the whole wrong idea of what a pastor is and what Christian life is and and a lot of we had to talk about a lot of stuff but that wasn't going to happen and so uh, that was the end of that but let me just help you all here um when i look out at you and i see people that i have ministered with counseled prayed with wept with i there's no judgment here uh if anything i have more respect for anybody who we have gone through things together and you're still here and, and you're still seeking the Lord, and we're still on the same path we were on before, uh, I consider you all battle buddies. Uh, I, I, I consider uh, you as, as evidence, evidence of the grace of God. Uh, if someone was going to look at me and say, how do you know God works? I'd say, stand in the pulpit on a Sunday morning and look out from my perspective, and I'll tell you all about how God works. Uh, there is no judgment but i think what happens is if you if you what do you want from your pastor okay and, and who is your pastor to you and, and if you just want your pastor to look at you and and see this beautiful you know picture-perfect christian well you're gonna miss out it's better to walk together i don't know what you get out of that picture-perfect ideal uh, but i know if we'll be honest and work together uh, we can we can see some real miracles take place. Do you have that that uh, invitation of I want my pastor to help me with some oversight and 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 so forth? Uh, are you embarrassed to ask for help? Don't be. Uh, it is uh, oversight is commanded to the pastor, but it still must be received by the flock. And oversight will happen easier if there is an openness to it. So the pastor needs to. Lead, uh, sorry, feed the flock, oversee the flock, and then thirdly, he needs to lead the flock. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Lords over God's heritage. All right, well, when I think of lording, I think of a king or a dictator, someone who rules arbitrarily, unilaterally, unilaterally with his own might and his word is law. And the Bible teaches us very clearly, you're not supposed to Lord. Now there are, even in Baptist churches, there are leadership models that are flawed. That does not mean we should throw the baby out with the bathwater and not go to churches anymore. We should seek to see this improved and seek to be in a place that, that honors the Word. But lording and leading are not the same. Okay, you can lord and drag someone where they need to go, or you can lead and bring someone where they need to go through encouragement, through teaching, through, uh, uh, through exemplifying, through all sorts of ways you can bring someone where they need to go by leading Now, sometimes uh, lordship does creep into pulpit ministries, and when it does, there will be usually, uh, there will be hurt in the church, and and the church won't grow. A lot of, uh, I've preached in churches with a lordship model, um, and they're always small churches. Always, always small churches. I'm not saying that you can't have a big church with a lord, but uh, it's it's harder, usually the lord, keeps the church small because uh, even even um, uh, who was it was Tom Rainer and his consulting group uh, figured that the average pastor can effectively pastor 75 people uh, and then uh, to go beyond that you have to have help well lords don't get help they do it all themselves and so they keep their congregations very very small But leadership is recognizing that, as it says here in in, in front of us, this flock is not mine, it's God's. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock or examples to the flock. So when I'm leading, I'm recognizing the flock is not mine, it's God's. This is a stewardship, therefore it's a privilege, not a right, and it's a huge responsibility. Now, lording is tempting for a number of reasons, because number one, I have a flesh, and number two, I don't have that much time, and it's easier sometimes to just grab someone and take him from point A to B, than it is to lead and coax and pray and two steps forward and three steps back and two steps forward and three steps back. And, oh, let's just grab them by the collar and take him there. Uh, so there's the flesh. Now every pastor has a flesh, and so this if nothing else from this i hope you learned from this that pastors need prayer because any pastor can be a lord at any time but the goal is leadership leadership is going to last for the long haul lordship is a shortcut that will be that will fall apart later not functioning above the law as a lord but rather being in samples to the flock an example of what it is to be a Christian and a leader and so forth. This is important for pastors because the way pastors lead a church is the example for every father who pastors his family. There's a parallel there. And so when you have a Lord in the pulpit, you have Lords in the home. If you have a leader in the pulpit, then hopefully you should have leaders in the home and again, I'm not saying that you're, you're either a lord or you're a, a leader. You could be a leader who lords at times, okay? Uh, and, and so we need, again, we need prayer. We should not function above the law, but be a living example to the flock of how to live as a Christian. There should be humility and transparency. There should be authenticity, integrity, and accountability. There should be a testimony worth following. And again, I'm preaching to myself. And it's not fun, but it, we go on to Hebrews thirteen seven, which says basically the same thing. It says, "Remember them which have the rule over you." Now, that's not a lording rule; that's a sphere rule. In other words, if if we were back in the in the Dark Ages, you know, your rule would be this parcel of land, and and Andrew's rule is this parcel of land, or whatever. We're talking about a we're talking about your spot, uh, not that you're a dictator. So it's just saying, remember them who have. A responsibility from God concerning you that's the idea of rule over you remember those who God's entrusted to to lead you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation that's very similar to what we just read not being lords over God's heritage but being examples to the flock as you see their faith follow it follow their conversation their manner of life verse 17 Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So the application then comes to the church. We have clearly the idea and the directive, the exhortation given to the pastor, you've got you to lead this thing God's way. Don't, Lord, lead what about the flock? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable unto you. I don't know how that's all going to go down, what it's going to look like and how that actually will play out but I, I believe that verse means something and, and we ought to take it for granted uh, not, not take it for granted and not take the teeth out of it. I don't know how my account will go as a pastor but this tells me that there will be one and it even tells me that i might do it with joy and i might do it with grief and it may it even tells me that this account that i give could be unprofitable for you in some regard that's what it says so the application for the flock if god says he's supposed to lead then question for you are you leadable are you leadable? I mean, yeah, you can lead a mule, but it gets interesting, all right? Um, if you are teachable, this process becomes easier. If you are humble, this process becomes easier. If you are one who is able to listen, this process becomes easier. It is hard to lead someone and teach someone whose mouth doesn't close. Uh, you have to be able to put some things forward that that can be received and, and, and to be able to follow. And truly, every leader is a follower. Every pastor has to be a good follower. He has to follow the chief shepherd. He has to follow people that the chief shepherd has put in his life. And so hopefully, I'm not just giving you an example of how to lead, but I hope I'm also giving you an example of how to follow, because I also have to follow. But we need to be leadable, teachable, humble individuals within the church. And what about within your family? Are you a leader or a Lord at home? Are you going to take the shortcut, or will you sit down and work this through with the proper Biblical foundation, proper amount of prayer and encouragement and discipleship. And in your home, are you the example worth following? God's command, God's exhortation is to remember them that have the rule over you. I'm sorry, uh, is to, to, to uh, feed the flock of God, oversee the flock, and lead the flock. And we are, I'm over time. Let me just get the last verse here. Verse 4 describes the prize, what it's all about and why it's worth it. Here it is. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye, also, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He's speaking to pastors. He gives pastors a straightforward exhortation, having just told them why he has the right to tell them. But he says, hang in there, guys. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. As if he understood something about pastors, which I think he did. He understood their frustration sometimes, their tiredness sometimes, their discouragement at times, their whatever. And he said, you're not doing what you're doing for anything down here. You're doing what you're doing for something that's yet to appear. Pastors don't lead for an earthly crown. They lead for a heavenly one. Pastors should not try to build an earthly empire. We are waiting on a heavenly one. Pastors are not to seek an earthly praise, an adoration. No, we are waiting for the good and and well done, a good and faithful servant from the Lord. So final applications for for the flock to consider. As I said before, pray for your pastor. And I can say that because it's in your best interests that you pray for me, okay? Uh, This is a selfish, it feels like a selfish thing to say, but it's really not. Pray regularly regularly for your pastor. I get to uh, talk to many pastors. I also follow things online. And you definitely see how Satan attacks pastors. And there is a target. I know that there is. I sense it. I feel it. Um, The devil knows if he can discourage me or just take me out, then that single act will affect every single person here, people watching online, people who aren't here because they're sick. Uh, There's a lot of people who are uh, impacted by that, and so the devil knows this. So pray that God would help me to be what 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 Is exhorting me to be. And then I would also say this please, please commit to communication. Commit to communication. Every pastor is different, every pastor has his own style. I think I am more of the talky type. Okay, it's hard to speak for yourself, but I think I am. Pastor CJ, am I more of the talky type? (laughs) Okay, I like to communicate. In fact, that's probably my fault. My wife will say, honey, uh, is your message done for Sunday? I'm like, no. Why? Well, I was talking to so-and-so and so-and-so and so and so and so I had these great talks. And she's like, that's great. But you have to preach Sunday. When are you going to get this done? I would much rather talk to you guys than study. I have to work really hard to carve out time to just get in the Word and do what I need to do because I, I like to talk to people. Uh, but uh, sometimes... Um, Sometimes there are needs that I don't know about. And sometimes things make their way to me, and sometimes things don't. And then, if things don't make their way to me, you can make your own conclusions about, why didn't pastor come talk to me? He knows I have this problem. I might, I might not. Um, folks, you are never bothering me to send me an email, send me a text, give me a call some of you are 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 afraid to call me because you're like oh he's so busy he's so busy i'm not that busy and plus this is in the job description so uh, let me do my job and that is talk to you if you need something Uh, i'm not too busy i get a ton of correspondence every day and i am not going to tell you how much texts emails uh, it's a it's a ton but it's okay it works I, i i it works I'm not drowning in correspondence. I enjoy it, and it's part of the job. Um, You're not going to ever make me upset by communicating with me. What is tough for me is when people don't. And if somebody wanted to know, like, how could I really hurt Pastor Barber? I'll just give you the cheat code right now. Uh, Just don't tell me what's going on, because I do care. Um, People sometimes leave the church. And sometimes people leave for good reasons and we rejoice to see them move or whatever and whatever God's doing. Other times people people leave and they're upset. And uh, if I ever have someone leaving upset, I will be at their doorstep. We're gonna be meeting, we're gonna be talking. And sometimes we can resolve it, sometimes we can't. But there are times when people leave and they won't tell you why. That's worse than anything. Because I have no closure, I can't learn from it, I have no idea. Sometimes somebody will leave and they'll say, you know why. And if you don't, shame on you. I'm like, great, I have no idea why and I'm really supposed to know why, but I honestly don't know why. And then it's like the torment of trying to figure the whole thing out. Um, You know, I can't learn what I don't know and I might not be as smart as you think I am. I might not have figured out what I should have figured out. I might not have seen what what I should have seen. But if you'll commit to to communicate, uh, I, I believe it is biblical and I believe it's what brothers do, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we can really grow when we communicate correctly. And then invest in your relationship and don't be afraid to be the initiator. Um, again, you're not, uh, go ahead, interrupt me. If I, if I can't talk, I'll, I'll tell you and we'll set up something else. But initiate and, and, and tell me when, when you've got a need, I'm, I'm happy to know of that and do what I can and I'm gonna to try to do more initiating I really am I've been working at that I don't know if you noticed or not but I am trying to initiate more in other people's lives and to be a, a blessing to you proactively but let's remember this we're in it for the eternal crown that ne- never fades away I am NOT gonna be your chief shepherd the chief shepherds coming I will never be able to live up to that and so keep those expectations realistic for your own sake, for all of us, uh, all of our sakes. Remember that we're going to have to work through things down here. But he is coming, and it's going to be worth it, and he will bless. There's one verse I want to leave you with in closing that I believe is a help, and it just harkens back to what we've already covered in chapter 4. First Peter 4, verse 8 says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And I think that verse should, should be applied to both crowds this morning. The crowd of elders, pastors, and the crowd of the believers in the flock. Both need to seek to have fervent charity among themselves. And when that happens, charity shall cover the multitude of sins, meaning we don't pick each other so much i love you i've been getting to know you i'm learning more about how you tick and therefore there's more grace why is it that that lady in myers lets her kid scream and throw a fit all over the floor and she says oh and you were like you know ah, i want to take the kid outside what's wrong with this kid she knows him. She loves him. She knows all of his background. She says he didn't have a nap today and, and uh, he got beat up at school and she has all the context and so she is just so much more loving than you are. You know what we need to do? We need to work toward getting to know one another. I want to get to know you better. You get to know me better. The more we get to know one another, we can have that fervent charity among one another that will help to cover the multitude of sins. So we'll have more grace one with another as we grow together on this journey. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the admonition that you give to pastors. Help me to be the pastor that you would have me to be. Help me to be faithful and humble and help me, Lord, to uh, to be growing. And I pray that the uh, church here that you have entrusted to my care at this time, Lord, that you would help this church also to uh, work in this God-ordained process humbly and uh, teachably. And Lord, that we would have that fervent love that would cover the multitude of sins. Lord, help us as we look to you now. As the piano plays softly, would you just take a moment and ask the Lord to help you with your part in this? Is there something that God touched you concerning? Someplace where you need to yield. Would you take a moment to let God work in you in that regard?